in uh, kind of the third little micro section here uh, where we've talked about almsgiving and uh, we've talked about prayer and this morning we're talking about fasting. Uh, so we're going to title this Top Secret Hunger because I have very limited imagination. I didn't know what else to title it. <laughs> um, so uh, let's look at verse 16. We'll read verses 16, 17, and 18 out of Matthew chapter 6. It says, Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Now, have you noticed as we look through the almsgiving and the prayer and now fasting that God does expect um, intense spiritual activity from his kids? I mean, if we've trusted Christ as Savior, uh, he, he expects some serious uh, living for Christ out of us. Have um, you noticed also that, that the activities only qualify as spiritual activities if they're done with the right motive and they're done to the right audience? Uh, so we're going to look at fasting. Now, we haven't talked about fasting since we've, since Becky and I have been here. Uh, I don't know how long it's been since you've explored the topic of, of fasting. So we're going to mix this with kind of a sermon lesson kind of thing going on. The premise for fasting is that physical hunger can yield spiritual results. Okay, that's, that's the premise. Uh, we first find fasting in the Old Testament. It's quite common in the Old Testament. But does that mean that we're to fast today? The New Testament handles Old Testament teaching in, in four main ways. Uh, some things in the Old Testament are, 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 for, are fulfilled in the New Testament. Uh, um, like, like things are, are fulfilled in the cross and, and, and they're no longer a part of our practice. An example of this would be the Old Testament sacrifices. All of those were fulfilled in Christ. Some things are modified uh, so that we do them differently. So in the Old Testament, we have the Sabbath. That was on Saturday. But in the New Testament, Christians observe the Lord's Day, which is on Sunday. Well, there's some things that were intensified so that they're, they're larger in scope than what they were taught in the Old Testament. So adultery is prohibited in the Old Testament, but Jesus takes it further and says that lusting in your heart is adultery. And then some things just kind of continue through unchanged. So in both the Old and New Testament, we're commanded to honor our parents. That, that didn't change with the cross. Our Christian life generally is, is divided into three, three areas. And we've seen this as we've gone through, as we started chapter 6. Doing good to others. That's almsgiving. That's verses 1 through 4. Uh, then we saw that intimate, personal relationship with God through prayer and that's verses 5 to 15 and then we have number three in verses 16 17 and 18 it's our life itself especially in the area of uh, personal discipline uh, fasting and fasting is put last uh, because it's not so much a duty for its own sake but but it's a means to get us ready get us positioned for other spiritual duties Fasting means to abstain from food for a spiritual purpose. 
Very simply, fasting means being so consumed with the matter that it becomes more important than food. So, as a believer, I set food aside in order to concentrate on seeking God about a matter, about something. Biblical fasting means more than just abstaining from food. It's abstaining from food in order to concentrate upon God and his answer to whatever my prayer is. Biblical fasting involves prayer, intense supplication before God. Now, in this passage, Jesus assumes that believers fasted. He says, you know, when, when you fast, when you do this, you, you do it this way. I mean, he expected believers to fast, but fasting is never commanded. Right? We need to understand that. It's expected, but it's not commanded. He fasted. He taught fasting. The early believers fasted, but yet we don't hear much about this today. It's not, it hasn't continued on. The benefits of fasting to move closer to the Lord are enormous. But there's also some dangers that, that we'll see. Because we can, we can fast for the wrong reasons. And Jesus is going to counsel us on the wrong and the right motives for our fasting. There are kind of three facts that we need to observe here about fasting. Number one is, is you know, biblically speaking, it's always to have a spiritual purpose. If we're going to fast, it needs to have a spiritual purpose. Secondly, it is an act that is voluntarily done. It is not commanded. You do it voluntarily as you are led by God. And the third thing is fasting does not mean you are more spiritual than anybody else. It, 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 it's your choice. But it doesn't make you any better. And if you don't fast, it doesn't make you any less. Some of the Old Testament reasons for fasting, uh, they fasted if they needed to repent, if they were mourning the loss of someone, if they were seeking God's will, if they were preparing for a great service or a big spiritual event. They fasted in times of despair. Now, the meaning changed in the New Testament. The early Christians fasted, but not necessarily over their sin. It was done to, to set aside the normal daily distractions so they could get a clear direction from God. See, even back then, life was noisy, and they needed to pull away to where it was quiet. Because remember, God does not yell. Sometimes I yell. Sometimes you yell. Sometimes you yell at your kids. Sometimes the kids yell back. God doesn't yell. It's that still, small voice. And you have to get quiet in order to hear that. You would then wait for God to reveal his will to you. Now, while fasting, the word of God came to Cornelius and told him to send for Peter. While the church at Antioch fasted, the Spirit gave them instructions to set Paul and Barnabas aside. Uh, fasting was a personal exercise between each person and God. Fasting does not replace obedience. Fasting does not create relationship. You need to know that going in. So what we see in verse 16, as we've seen in the last two sections, is there's a, there's a wrong way to do this. And verse 16 tells us this. It's a wrong way to fast. Uh, moreover, verse 16, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites, 
of a sad countenance and they disfigure their face that they may appear to men to fast barely saying to you they have their reward uh, now Jesus laid out the wrong way to fast here Jesus is not focusing on the on 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 he's focusing on the abuse not the activity right uh, fasting is good fasting so you can show off to people that's bad now, if I had said, thought about that before, the sermon could be done. You could have gotten that, and you, you would have been good. Fasting will not be effective if sin remains in your life. See, it's not the Pharisees fasting or fasting twice a week, but it was his boasting about the fasting that Christ condemned. Fasting as a hypocrite is wrong. Being hypocritical is the real danger when you fast. Almost anything that is designed to serve as an outward expression of an inward attitude can be cheapened by hypocrisy. And isn't that one of the greatest charges leveled by the lost world to church people? Right? Oh, it's full of hypocrites. I don't want to go to church. It's full of hypocrites. Well, you, you know, Safeway's full of hypocrites. You go there. Fred Myers is full of hypocrites. You go there, but for some reason they don't want to come to church because of the hypocrites, right? What we want to make sure of is that their indictments are false. We want to make sure that, that, that at least with us, their charges of hypocrisy do not hold water. There's four reasons people can fast, um, and all but one of them are false or hypocritical. People fast to gain a sense of God's approval or of their own self-approval, which would be wrong. People fast to fulfill some religious act. They feel obligated. And again, that's the wrong reason to, to fast. People fast to gain some religious recognition. I'm fasting. I'm spiritual. No, that's, that's not right either. People fast to genuinely meet with God for a specific purpose, and that is the only right reason to fast. Fasting for recognition is wrong. Uh, several dangers involved against this, uh, which we'll see in the lives of the Pharisees. If you study the activity of the Pharisees in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see these things pop up. But there's a danger of feeling you know, super spiritual, to, for lack of a better way to put it. When we fast, we have to guard against that sense of, 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 of super spirituality and pride. Well, I know nobody else is fasting, but I'm fasting. I'm closer to God. See, what began as, as spiritual self-discipline was cheapened, and it became, uh, as spiritual disciplines will often do, an opportunity for, for self-righteousness, for thinking that we're more than we really are. We become more comfortable with the practice than we do with the person of Jesus, because pressing into the person of Jesus is a lot of work. Just doing something in the flesh is relatively easy. We love the rigor more than the relationship because rigor doing the acts is less work than heart work heart work is hard but i can put on a show pretty easy second danger danger of overconfidence our confidence has to be in god not in ourself not in our ability to go three days without eating anything after a fast we must go forward depending on Christ's strength and not our own energy, not our own effort. Uh, again, what was once an act of humility became, became for the religious leaders a display of false spirituality. 
and it was worthless. The third danger is, is, is that of sharing our fasting experience. After we've been through a fast, you've, I mean, you've been in the presence of God, you may be anxious to share it, especially with those that are closest to you. But, but the best advice is to just keep it between you and God. It was a private time between you and God. Keep it there. Take what you've learned. Apply it to your own life. Let people see the change in your life that God pulls about by this. Don't try to apply it to somebody else's life. See, religious or even devotional activity, that doesn't always mean that there's spiritual maturity. Fourth danger is uh, changing our appearance or the way we act or behave. If we purposely change our appearance or the way we act to draw attention to ourselves so that we'll be asked what we are doing, then we've lost the benefit from God. We've lost the reward. If we look, you know, Jesus is referring to, to, to them, you know, putting on a gloomy, pained expression uh, on, on their face or changing their clothes, looking unkept or unwashed. Uh, sometimes they would sprinkle ashes on their head just to let everybody know that they were fasting. Well, whatever they were praying for, they weren't going to get. Their reward was the recognition of the people that they were fasting. See, the fasting the wrong way, I mean, it, 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 it has an outcome. It has a reward. There is a benefit to this, though it is, it is. It's cheap. The reward will be the recognition and esteem of people. But that's all the reward that they were going to get, and it's all that we will get if that's why we fast. Fasting emphasizes the denial of the flesh, but the Pharisees were glorying in their flesh. They were drawing attention to themselves. Look how spiritual I am. They put on the old clothes, they messed up their hair, they used the makeup, covered themselves with dirt and ashes, and such fashion, fasting was a sham. This fasting was a mockery. And they received praise from nobody except the ones looking at them. This kind of ceremonial fasting, it means nothing to God. It benefits you zero. But like Jesus has done, he's told us what not to do, but he doesn't leave us hanging. He tells us what to do. Now, okay, this is how it's not to be done. This is how we do it. Look at verses 17 and 18 again. But thou... And, and he's talking mainly to his disciples. Oh, the, the, there's a big crowd uh, there sitting looking. But thou, when thou fastest, see, it's expected that they fast, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy father, which is in secret, and thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. As we stated in the introduction, fasting means to be so consumed with the matter that it becomes more important than food. So the believer sets food aside in order to concentrate on seeking God. And, and, and again, it, it seems like it's, just, it, it's expected. We should be doing this. Um, so when you fast, all right, so I'm supposed to be fasting. How do I fast? This is how it's done. Fasting is to be done without being noticed. Now, as a believer, I am to fast before God, not before men. 
There's to be no change in appearance, no change in behavior when I'm fasting. When I'm seeking God in a more intense way, it is between God and it is between me, and it is not between me and any other person. Right? Nobody needs to know what's going on between me and God. Fasting is to be done to God alone. We are to fast to God alone. God is the object of our fast. Fasting the right way also has its reward. God will reward us openly, just like he promised to do uh, when, with, with, with our almsgiving and with our praying, the fasting, we get the same promise. God will honor a fast that's done the right way, with the right motive. But that's the only thing he's going to reward here. There's three, I guess, factors needed to fast the right way. There's, you need a proper spirit or a right attitude. Second thing, you need a personal sacrifice. That, that, that's the right heart. And third, you need a protected secrecy or, or, or right portrayal. So the first one, a proper spirit, that, that, that right attitude. The correct motivation for your fasting is to be centered on the Father. The outward body reflects the inner walk with God. I will obey God with my eating or with my not eating. So what comes out of my heart is more important than what enters my stomach. Jesus told that to the um, Pharisees several times. And, and what he means here is, is that God does not reward dieting. God rewards faith. And a small obedience is better than a great outward action. So fasting must be linked to prayer with a sincere heart. Something else we see is that it needs a correct foundation, and this is, this is sincerity. Fasting can be appropriate if God leads us to do it. Some instances where fasting may be appropriate, like we've mentioned some already in times of sorrow, Remember when David's child with Bathsheba was ill, David fasted and he prayed. Maybe in times of danger, Israel as a nation fasted when it was threatened by their enemies. When we need to confess and mourn over our sin, it's the time for us to fast. When searching for God's will, we fast. When we're about to begin an important task or a new ministry, remember Jesus fasted for 40 days before his earthly ministry began. When making plans and we need God's direction, it's a good time to fast. Now there's also a correct, uh, correct position to fast in. And this is humility. In Psalm 35, verse 13, it says, But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting. So at its most basic level fasting is a powerful expression of our humility before God we're we're recognizing that we need God even more than we need food and in extreme cases even more than we need water we're so desperate for him that we're willing to sacrifice anything it takes to get close to him or to hear from him 
And this is why fasting is also linked to repentance. The idea of humility and repentance is linked, linked to what the Bible calls the mortification of the flesh, the, the reckoning our flesh to be dead. You read about it in Romans 8 and 1 Corinthians 9. Many people, when they fast, find it helpful. to be humble and repentant. But it's not, it's, not a magic, it's not a magic formula. It doesn't do anything if it's just a ritual, but as an expression of humility before God and repentance for our sin, it can be a very powerful thing in giving the Holy Spirit room to work and move in your life. Fasting is, is, is only valuable insofar as it is an expression of humility and hunger for God. It's not a tool for manipulating God, and it's not a tool to try to look spiritual. You cannot <laughs> manipulate God. You can try to look spiritual. But when we're in the place of, of, of humility... When we're in the place of seeking his face, fasting can be used to seek God for some kind of spiritual breakthrough or to meet a big need or to get direction for a big decision. The second thing we mentioned was a personal sacrifice or a right heart. You know, there, there are spiritual disciplines, um, physical disciplines, that make a spiritual difference. And we need to use our bodies as, as instruments, as, as, as slaves of righteousness and not slaves to sin. And the idea, once again, here is, is, is that doing something physical, the fasting, uh, can have a spiritual impact in our life. There will always accompany uh, with fasting some, some type of sacrifice. Uh, mostly it's giving up food for a time. I mean, there might be other sacrifices. You can give up you know, time doing something, pleasures, uh, whatever it may be, um, whatever it is, something is sacrificed in order to spend more time, more deep communing time with God. The commentary says, fasting is not confined to abstinence from eating and drinking. Fasting really means voluntary abstinence for a time from various necessities of life, such as food, drink, sleep, rest, association with people, and so forth. Fasting in the Christian sense does not involve looking upon the necessities of life, which we have mentioned, as unclean or unholy. What he means is, you know, if you go without, it doesn't mean food is bad. If you go without, you know, TV, it doesn't mean TV by itself is necessarily bad. If you give up time with friends, it doesn't mean time with friends is bad. It says fasting implies merely that our souls at certain times need to concentrate more strongly on the one needful thing than at other times. And for that reason, we renounce for a time those things which in themselves may be both permissible and profitable. See, Jesus wants the sacrifice of heart here. There is merit in fasting as a regular part of your walk with Christ. Maybe doing it weekly. 
um, maybe a couple times a week, um, just, just missing one meal a day, spending that time in prayer. Down through the centuries, though, it has been something that people have done in times of great distress or, 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 or concern or in order to, to express their passion about, about a decision as well as helping them focus their thoughts and desires on their God. So Jesus, Jesus wants your entire heart here. In Joel chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Therefore also now saith the Lord, Turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning. Jesus wants your clean heart. Matthew 5, 8, we saw, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Jesus wants your dedicated heart. Matthew chapter 6, we're not there yet. Verse 21 says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Jesus wants your humble heart. In Matthew eleven twenty nine, Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your soul. If God leads you to fast, your heart must be humbly positioned. And then there is, number three, the protected secrecy or the right, the right portrayal. Says, why is it such a big deal to do it in secret? Because God said so. That's it. God said so. Givings to be in secret, prayers to be in secret, fasting to be in secret. You know, we like our secrets, right? Back in 1820, uh, the average person in England only wrote three letters a year. Uh, remember, that was back before email and Twitter and all that stuff, right? There's only three letters a year for good reason. Letters in those days were mailed without any kind of cover, and everybody that, that, that got a letter, you know, passed through their hands, and somebody else could read whatever you wrote in the letter. But a fellow by the name of Mulready had an idea to ensure some privacy. It was the envelope, right? He uh, visited France and noticed that messages from important people were completely enclosed in what he called a little paper case. It was impervious to the peering eyes of the curious. So the idea of sending letters shielded from curious eyes was an instant success, and the volume of letters handed, handled by the British Postal Service soared beyond anybody's expectations simply because those little paper cases afforded them some privacy. That's what God wants when you fast. Fasting is not a notice me and my personal suffering approach. Jesus says when you fast, you act normal so that nobody but God knows you're doing it. And if you're in a family, I understand you know, your husband or wife is probably going to find out uh, your mom or dad will probably find out, and, 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 but, you know, again, the important thing is the motive behind the fasting. So you wash your face, you anoint your head. That's just common hygiene practices. Take a shower, put king clothes on, shave and brush your teeth, okay? Just act normal. Don't do yourself up so the people ask, oh, are you okay? Is everything all right? The idea is this. Again, others don't need to know your business with God. This is personal. This is private. It's a personal, spiritual experience with an almighty God, and God rewards us when we do it his way. And 
who knows what you might be praying for? Who knows what decision you might need guidance on? Maybe you're praying for your nation. That, uh, maybe that you really need guidance in a particular area of your life. Maybe you need healing for yourself or somebody else. It might be to see the bondage of sin broken, broken in the life of somebody who is feeling hopeless. Going back to Jesus' statement that, that his father rewards those who fast, this, this would be the most straightforward example of that. We fast about a specific need, and we see that need answered by his hand. Now, what are the mechanics of fasting? Because, I mean, what do we actually do? Well, it, it ought to go without saying, but I have to put the disclaimer in here that if you have a medical condition, seek your doctor's advice, okay? Um, if fasting is going to be dangerous for you, then, then, then don't do it. If, you, if, you're, if you're diabetic, then, yeah, you better be careful with this. If you're hypoglycemic, you better be a little careful with this, all right? If you're, if you're pregnant, yeah, you don't want to stop eating necessarily. So, you know, just get your doctor's advice. Let them know kind of what you're thinking. Make sure it's okay. Start with a one or two meal fast, just one meal a week or, or, or two meals a week, what, whatever the Lord leads you to do. And, 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 and if you can't pull completely away from food, then, then, then do the Daniel fast. It is in chapter 10, verse 3 of Daniel, where you just don't eat anything fancy. Just stick with bland food. Um, you know, it, it, since you can't abstain from all food, then, then just, just eat the bare, unadorned necessities. Keep it as basic as you can, but drink plenty of fluids because you'll end up in the hospital doing this, right? But you want to honor God doing this, so use some common sense. Grow into the longer times as the Spirit leads. Don't start trying to do a 40-day fast. But boy, you could miss a lunch and pray, right? Now you can miss a supper and pray. could fast from Facebook and all the time you spend on Facebook spend time praying okay so it's not just food but whatever it is you have to be led of God to do this now let's let's wrap this up I'm a little over time there are a lot of benefits to fasting Fasting will keep you in God's presence. Fasting will humble your soul before God. Fasting teaches our dependence upon God. Fasting demonstrates to God our seriousness. Maybe it demonstrates to us our seriousness towards God. It is an exercise of faith, and fasting should be a time of intense prayer. A few things that fasting, again, doesn't do, it does not make God love you more. It isn't necessary so that God will forgive you. It is not a substitute for obedience. And it is not a spiritual get-rich-quick scheme. Fasting makes us ask, am I as hungry for God as I am for food? John Piper said that many of us have no hunger for God because we are so stuffed with the world. We are, in a sense, giving up food in order to be able to feast upon God. It reminds us that food does not sustain us. God sustains us. And it will help reveal the things that control us. So should, should we fast? Should you fast? You betcha. 
What difference does it make? Well, do you need a spiritual victory in an area of your life? Maybe it's a sin that you're struggling with. Fasting in humility and repentance, asking God for his mercy to overcome, may be just what you need to do. In fact, in Mark chapter 9, verse 28, we read how the disciples uh, had trouble casting a demon out of a boy while Jesus was up on the Mount of Transfiguration. And they privately ask him, you know, why couldn't we do this? And Jesus says, this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. Sometimes fasting can bring a spiritual victory. It can bring freedom from sin. Maybe you've got a family member or a friend who's causing you grief or who is far from God. How, how desperate are you to have them come to God? Would you pray and fast for them? How hungry are you to see Jesus glorified in our community? How hungry are you for more of God's presence in our church services? Hungry enough to pray and fast? And not just pray and fast once or twice, but, but until something happens. Now you remember that we're under no obligation to fast. So unless you really believe that God is calling you to do this, then, then, then do it. You need, you need to obey. But it needs to come from a willing heart. Fasting can be, again, just for a meal, or it can be just for a day, maybe a week as you work up to it. If you fast more than a couple of days, break the fast slowly, small amounts of bland food, okay? You, you don't want to fast for a week and then go to Mikasa. You get really sick really quick. And remember to turn off the TV. Spend time actually talking to God. Whatever you're fasting from, that time that it frees up, that time at least should be spent seeking the Lord. See, our acceptance with God in, in, in our private fasts, one commentary says, should make us dead both to the applause of men, we must not do the duty in hopes of this, and to the censors of men, too. We must not decline the duty for fear of them. We fast only to God, so it doesn't matter whether people see us or what they say about us. Some final, final things, and I promise you we're done. If we have to look miserable to be considered spiritual, we're doing it wrong. If we, sub if, if we substitute reputation for character, if we substitute mere words for true prayer or money for devotion, then we're doing it wrong. Instead of the eternal approval of God, we receive just the shallow praise of men. We, we, we pray, but there's no answers. We fast, but the inner man doesn't show any improvement or growth. The spiritual life becomes hollow and lifeless because hypocrisy robs us of spiritual influence. Our motives must be to please God alone no matter what anybody else says or no matter what anybody else does. So we must cultivate the heart in that secret place so that nobody knows but God. One commentary said, well, that the most important part of a Christian's life 
is the part that only God sees. So when reputation becomes more important than character, then we have become hypocrites. Let that not be us in our pursuit of God. Stand with your heads bowed, please, and eyes closed. Father, again this morning, as, as we have prayed so, so often, um, we thank you for your word and for its authority. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your instruction here. Lord, we are, we are fickle and we are shallow people. And we do always like that pat on the shoulder and that attaboy and that good job. And Lord, we are so easily trapped into chasing that. Father, thank you for the instruction from your word that the best rewards come from you when we seek only your approval. That you are our audience and that you are our motive. So, Father, whatever it is that we do, remind us, Father, to do it for your glory. And because we love you, because we are seeking after you. Lord, the pull of the world, the pull of other people's approval is so strong. Give us the strength, please, Father, to say no to that, that, that shallow accolade. Father, help us to do what we do for you, to be done only for you. You promise to reward us openly, but Lord, help that not to be our motivation. We do it for you because we love you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Keith, would you come here?